Cherry Hill Volvo, we have absolutely incredible offers and a plethora of both new and certified Volvos from which to choose. We are eager to offer amazingly competitive prices, plus an additional $1,000 Costco discount on all new Cherry Hill Volvos. When leasing or purchasing a new or certified Cherry Hill Volvo, you become a valued part of our team. Join Cherry Hill Volvo for the pricing and attention you deserve. I am Judith Krepnick, president of Cherry Hill Volvo. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. WPHD, WPHD, HD, WOGL, HD3, Philadelphia. From the Cherry Hill Volvo Studios, where relationships matter. Always live on the free Odyssey app. The revolution will be broadcast. This is the next generation of talk. Now, on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT, Rich Zioli. The craziness in the Middle East continues. Israel is facing growing concerns of a threat on a two-front war. We'll talk to Dr. Victoria Coates on this. And remember what I told you on the show yesterday, Democrats chose to stand with the IRS and not with Israel. Welcome back. Glad you're here. 855-839-1210 on Twitter at Rich Zioli. Uh, Joe Biden. Hmm. Lee running for president, this guy? Is he doing it? He's speaking right now, making remarks on a deadly shooting in Maine. Looking on the very tired on the campaign trail as he reads something. Looking very, very tired. And I'm sure Joe Biden will be, of course, going after guns again, blaming guns as the problem in America and not mental health, which is really the crisis. But, of course, that's funny and ironic in a sense because Joe Biden's son, Hunter Biden, is blaming his addiction on mental health issues and saying that it's just such a damn shame that in America right now, Republicans are vilifying addiction of vilifying addiction and the millions of people struggling with addiction deserve better. So there you go. All right. Uh, what else do we have today? We got a, we have, we have, uh, we have to talk about the fourth legislative district race and we're going to have on a great guy running for the state Senate, Chris Del Barella. We'll talk about that. The target CEO says, conservatives who are upset over trans merch were more dangerous to employees than the George Floyd rioters, which I have a hard time believing since I didn't see anybody who was upset by Target's transgender display rioting or looting. I saw them just not shopping at Target. So if you consider not shopping at Target more dangerous to the employees than rioting and looting at Target, yeah, I guess. But that's the that's the distinction. Conservatives who were upset by it just didn't shop at Target. They shop somewhere else. All right. Sorry about that. A little technical glitch. But we're back. Uh, so the Democrats are trying furiously right now to explain themselves after they decided to stand with the IRS over Israel. Remember that big vote that happened yesterday where the Republicans and I thought this was a brilliant, brilliant Machiavelli move. It really was. The 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 Democrats in Congress said that they chose IRS funding over standing with Israel. Now, look, 
I know that Joe Biden demanded an up or down vote, Ukraine funding and humanitarian aid for Gaza, which, of course, would be money for Hamas. And also he wanted uh, Israel together. Republicans said we're going to separate this out, have an up or down vote in Ukraine, up or down vote in Israel. No humanitarian aid to Hamas. Not part of that bill. No. So in order to do that, we need to find something to cut. And for that, we choose the Internal Revenue Service. And they make cuts. Curious about it. So here's some Democrats struggling to explain why they voted against a resolution condemning anti-Semitism on college campuses. Take a listen. Congresswoman, could I ask you really quickly, why couldn't you condemn anti-Semitism? I did. I do every day. Why didn't you vote for the bill that would condemn anti-Semitism every day? Why every single day. Why didn't you vote for the resolution that condemned anti-Semitism on college campuses? Because I didn't agree with the resolution, but I've condemned anti-Semitism a million times. And we're fighting to end anti-Semitism in a real way and fighting to end hate in all its forms. Why can't you condemn anti-Semitism on college campuses? I've condemned anti-Semitism and Islamophobia and hate in all its forms repeatedly. Why didn't you vote for the resolution? They, 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 they can't vote to uh, condemn anti-Semitism, and they can't vote to stand with Israel. They choose the IRS in, in the middle of all that. That cast of characters was Summer Lee, Jamal Bowman, and Ayanna Presley. And they're not happy today, the Democrats. They're not happy that the Republicans forced them to be in that position. It was actually one of the rare times that Democrats actually were put into the corner by Republicans. Usually Republicans don't get, they usually get outsmarted by Democrats and stuff like this. But in this case now, the Republicans were able to, to, to pull a fast one on them, and I like it. It was really good. But I'm excited about the fact that this new House speaker is serious about finding cuts. Guy's a fiscal hawk. And they approved cutting the Environmental Protection Agency budget by nearly 40 percent. That's right. 40 percent. It's a beautiful thing. It makes me so happy. So happy. I hate the Environmental Protection Agency. I would shut it down in a heartbeat. I would shut down the Education Education Administration, shut them down. We don't need an EPA. All it does is bust the chops of businesses and make life miserable for people. You know that and I know that. States can handle this issue. And don't give me the whole thing. I mean, states, you know, air goes over state lines. States can handle this stuff. The is a monstrosity they are they think they can do whatever they want they're emboldened by the chevron deference doctrine which basically says that federal agencies can do literally anything and get away with it you know do, do what you want and then uh, just don't worry about it make rules make laws the epa has been the biggest offender of this the epa acts like congress coming up with rules and regulations that destroy businesses Well, on Friday, the Republicans passed legislation that would slash nearly 40 percent of the budget of the EPA. The funding bill passed by a 213 to 203 vote. And it's going to shock you. But Representative Brian Fitzpatrick of of Pennsylvania voted no. So did Mike Lawler out of New York. So did Mark Molinaro of New York voting against the bill, while Democrat Representative Vincente Gonzalez of Texas voted to cut the funding for the EPA. Good. Representative Mike Simpson of of Idaho chairs the subcommittee that wrote the bill, characterized the funding reductions it would deliver as necessary to curtail inflation and the national debt. He said cutting funding is never easy or pretty. 
But with the national debt in excess of $33 trillion and inflation at an unacceptable level, we had to make tough choices to rein in federal spending. The massive funding cut proposed by the Republican Party has virtually no chance of becoming law in this year's budget, but marks a starting point in negotiations for Republicans as they look to negotiate with Democrats in the Senate on funding the government. You know, I, for one, am glad that they're doing this. Whether or not it has a chance in the Senate should not be that 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 should not be the point. In other words, they shouldn't sit back and go, you know, why even bother? It's going to die in the Senate. What's the point? operate that way they shouldn't operate from that mindset if you go about life that way with what's the point then you're doomed to failure you're, you're going to lose every time it's just a failure mindset so instead what you do is you go forward with the idea look we're going to we're going to pass this and if it dies in the senate well you know then we'll deal with it then that's the only way you can live your life and it's the only way that as conservatives they can try to govern and aren't you glad that we have a new speaker if you were upset by the hostile takeover that kicked out Kevin McCarthy, McCarthy never tried to do this. McCarthy never would have went there. He didn't, he didn't propose a 40% cut to the EPA. This is what I mean. I mean, this new speaker is proving to be the guy, which is why they're coming after him. I don't have to agree with him on everything, but it is funny how they're coming after him. They're even arguing that, that he would get in the way of, of separation of church and state, as the media likes to call it. Because the media loves to turn around and say that. They love to turn around and say that there is a, um, a separation between church and state. And they, they want everybody to think that the new Speaker of the House is a guy that would go out there and shred that. Of course, that's a lie. First of all, there's no separation of church and state. That is something that the left has come up with. But Mike understands, the new speaker that is, understands that it's not Congress's job to get in the way of you and your ability to worship and live your life according to your God. See, the left would like to regulate all that and say that your religious rights literally only exist in church. And that's the difference. Your religious rights and freedom only exist in church. And when you leave church, you have no rights. There's, there's nothing. There's, there, there, the rights are, go away. They disappear. Um, some breaking news for you. Judge, a judge just slapped a gag order on Trump's lawyer over Trump's lawyer's jabs at the court. So this just broke here. Let's see. Former President Donald Trump's lawyers were placed under a partial gag order on Friday by Justice Arthur Engeron, who's overseeing the civil fraud trial in New York. He barred all of Trump's defense team from making any further comments regarding the judge's communications with his staff. Quote. The First Amendment rights of defendants and their attorneys, I'm trying to see who this quote is for. This is from the judge. The First Amendment's right of defendants and their attorneys to comment on any of my staff is far and away outweighed by the need to protect them from threats and physical harm. The order came after defense lawyers made repeated objections about the working relationship between him and his principal law clerk, including suggestions that she was biased. So you see now, you can't accuse the clerk of being biased. You're not allowed to do that. That's again, that's now, that's now illegal. For Trump, can't do his, his, his attorneys can't do it either. You know the judge is biased. I know the judge is biased. You just can't say it. They, this, these judges are—they um, have no respect for the First Amendment whatsoever. None, none. They, they rip it up, just completely shred it. They have no respect for the First Amendment whatsoever. I mean, unreal. Another gag order, and Trump was fined, you know, for failing to remove a social media post that attacked the clerk, and the attack was that she was Chuck Schumer's girlfriend. 
Now, look, I get it. That's insulting to any woman. I understand that. Any woman would be insulted by being equated to dating Chuck Schumer. I get it. I understand. But at the same time, it was a freaking joke or a comment or an observation. And in no way, shape or, or form was it something that would lead to her physical harm. But this is why even the ACLU, the far left ACLU, which has abandoned their quest for civil liberties, but even they had to wake up finally and say these gag orders are unconstitutional. You know, a defendant, especially one who's running for president, has a right to comment on what's going on, has a right to let people know what's going on. You have that right. You have the right to do that. Make no mistake, said the judge. Future violations, whether intentional or unintentional, will subject the violator to far more severe sanctions, the judge said in a court filing after levying the fine. Trump is currently on trial in New York City to determine the penalties related to the civil suit against Trump and his organization. And the fine here, which is so egregious, a $250 million fine to bar Trump and his sons from doing business in the state of New York would effectively dissolve his company and force the sale of several of his highly indebted assets. And you're telling me that he's not, he doesn't get the right to go before a jury of his peers, given how egregious these penalties are? It's outrageous. This isn't a civil trial. There's nothing civil about this. A civil trial with this kind of punitive damage, which would destroy Trump's organization would bar him from being in business in New York, dissolve his company, force the sale of several of his highly indebted assets, deserves to be heard by a jury of his peers. The state is trying to take away his property to such a degree this goes well above and beyond anything that a civil trial really stands for because the spirit of the Constitution has to endure. I don't care if some lawyer says, yeah, but in a civil trial, you're not entitled to a jury. This is not... What the framers of the Constitution had in mind when they gave us the power, when they, they didn't give us, but when they wrote down and codified for us the rights that we have to protect us from our government, they made it very clear that you have a right to be heard by a jury of your peers. And when the, when the penalties and the fines are so egregious, where you're talking about the entire organization is destroyed, it's shut down, it's over. And he can't even speak out on this. He's running for president. He can't even talk about the case. He can't go after the judge. Can't go after the clerk. Why not? Oh, their harm, their physical harm. Why? He's not threatening them. He's not telling people to go out there and beat them up. He's not telling people to go raid their house. He's not doxing them. He's making comments about them. But this is America. And, and even though in America you're allowed to make comments about people, even in America when you're running for president, you're expected to. I mean, I mean this sincerely. You're expected to go out there and say things. If the government's making accusations against you, you have, you have, you have, an, you have an obligation to do that. How can you possibly conceive that voters are going to not hear from the candidate about the charges being leveled against him by the government of the United States of America? How can you think that that's okay? There's nothing okay about that. He has to stand up at these town hall meetings and he has to make it very, very clear what they're doing to him. And he has to make it very clear that what they're doing to him is so egregious, so outrageous, because the government is weaponized and they're weaponized against you and they're weaponized against me. And he's just, as he says, standing in their way. And it's a great way for him to connect to voters. Remember, I told you this before. A lot of people in 2020 who voted against him, they just they didn't like the mean posts, the tweets, the Facebook messages. I saw a Facebook message today 
a local uh, election, a local municipal election in New Jersey, where apparently there's been a lot of bad things said about a couple of the candidates. And, the, and somebody, one of the people posting this, they made a comment like, we've never seen these social media in our town and everything is changing in this town and that sort of thing. I think everybody at this point, almost 100% of us, has, has been subjected to an online attack of some sort over an opinion or a thought. You know, maybe it was because you said you weren't getting the COVID vaccine, or maybe you said you weren't going to jab your kids, or maybe you said that your kids don't want, shouldn't have to wear masks. Maybe you posted something about the fact that you don't you think this transgender thing for children is child abuse, and you you were called bigoted, hateful. People came after you. They said that you're a horrible person. Well, Trump can empathize with those people, and many of those people in 2020 probably voted against him because of his mean tweets and Facebook po- posts. And now they're the ones out there with the mean posts and the mean Facebook tweets. And, the, and, and because if you say anything the left doesn't like, that's what they do. They call you dumb. They call you bigoted and they come after you. But how can you possibly run for president of the United States of America and not be able to turn around and talk about your case and not be able to slam the judge and the government who's coming after you? Look at the gag order on the federal level. As, as the ACLU says, the far right wing ACLU, as the ACLU says, the special counsel in that case is a public figure. This judge is a public figure. The judge in New York is a public figure. You have a right to say things about public figures. You can't intentionally lie about them, but you have a right to speak your opinion about them. You have a right to speak, speak your mind about public officials. Guess what? The First Amendment protects that. It is the highest protection of speech, political speech, and criticizing your government and calling out public officials and calling them out for what they are and who they are. It's why you have it. It's why we have it. It's why it's written down for us in the Bill of Rights. The judge in New York, this out-of-control judge who just issued a gag order against Trump's attorneys, this judge is a public figure. Trump has the right to slam him. And the special counsel in the federal case, this guy, Jack Smith, goes on camera and he gives his statements and he mugs it up. He's, of course, a public figure. And, of course, Donald Trump has a right to criticize him. And for the government to not allow Trump to do that does a disservice to him in the court of public opinion. Which is not fair because in the court of public opinion is where he has to also prove his innocence if he wants the votes of the American people to become the president of the United States of America. 855-839-1210 on Twitter at Rich Zioli. By the way, John Fetterperson voted to ban Bob Menendez from classified briefings. That's right. Pennsylvania's own Senator John Fetterperson. I don't like to bring gender into it, so I do gender neutral. John Fetterperson moves to ban Menendez from future classified briefings. Pretty impressive. I gotta give. I gotta give uh, 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 props to the to the hood to the hood. He did it. I mean, good for him. Good for him. He this resolution that would have barred Menendez, uh, that Chuck Schumer and other Democrats would not go along with. But the bottom line is, you know, and I know that what Menendez has done here by selling out the country to the people of Egypt is so incredibly egregious that he should not be anywhere near classified information. If he's found not guilty, then he can come back to the committee. He can can come back. No big deal. What uh, Menendez told NBC News was instead of focusing on generating clickbait, 
Fetter person should channel his efforts toward legislating and delivering results for the people of Pennsylvania. Ooh. Oh, little woke on woke action right there. A little woke on woke violence. Uh, 855-839-1210 on Twitter at Rich Zioli. Dr. Victoria Coates will join me next. We'll get the latest on the craziness in the Middle East. But you know, all that talk about food last segment. I guess I'm hungry. If you want to lose weight and maybe you really want to think about this before the holidays because... Really, sometimes people say, I think I'll wait till after the holidays, but you don't need to. The holidays are only a day here and there, if you think about it. And as everybody starts to bulk up, you will lose a contractually guaranteed 20 to 40 plus pounds with NJ Diet. 20 to 40 plus pounds in only 40 days time, contractually guaranteed with NJDiet.com. You lose the weight, you feel great, and you'll look your best too. So as everybody's covering up the, the weight with the ugly Christmas sweaters, you will be, you'll be walking in rooms and people are going to go, look at you. You look great. And, and, and here's the other thing about it, too. It's all natural. No shots, no hormones, no prepackaged foods, no surgery, none of that nonsense. Just real, honest weight loss that works for your body, your biochemistry, and your DNA. And that's why you keep the weight off. That's why it works. So please reach out to them today. There are locations close by in King of Prussia, Newark, Delaware, Cherry Hill, or online with live online video consultations. All you have to do is just go to njdiet.com. That's njdiet.com. You'll lose the weight. You'll feel great. Guaranteed 20 to 40 plus pounds in only 40 days. 855-5-NJ-DIET, 855-5-NJ-DIET, or njdiet.com. Worried about letting someone else pick out the person? Perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. The Zioli Show on your schedule from Talk Radio 1210 WPHT in the free Odyssey app. All right, there's craziness in the world, but there are some big wins for energy as the windmill project, at least the big Orsted one, is over. The Atlantic Shores wind project is still moving forward, although the developer acknowledges that there are going to be a lot of challenges. Challenges is code for we need more government funding. Is what is what that code word is for. And of course, yesterday, House Republicans voted to support Israel with aid. And to do so, they found cuts through the IRS. And the Democrats chose to stand with the IRS over Israel. I coined that phrase, by the way, for the record. Here to talk about it with me, Dr. Victoria Coates is the former Deputy National Security Advisor for President Trump and the Vice President of the Davis Institute for National Security and Foreign Policy at the Heritage Foundation. Hello, Dr. Victoria Coates. How are you today? Good afternoon, Rich. I liked my walk-up music today. 
Yeah, well, that was for you. Is that what, if you came to bat for the Phillies, is that what you'd come out to? It, it, it might be. I actually have always thought it would be Young Americans, uh, just that opening swirl of the David Bowie song. Uh, and I, I lobbied them repeatedly to make that walk-up song. I think it would be a cashmere-type moment. Mm. But the our, our lips are sealed with our theme song on the NSC. Well, of course. Uh, let's do this for you, <laughs> since you're always so kind to give us your time every week. Henry, can we get a little of that? Uh, a little of that Bowie for Dr. Coates, and let's let's see, let's see how it works. Is her walk-up song? It could be her walk-up song every week we use for her. And then what I'll do is I'll talk over it a little. I'll say, for all things foreign <laughs> policy, the expert, the one and only, our Philly favorite, the one who knows this stuff better than anybody. I see if I can try to make this here. This is a lot of ramp up. The one who can talk about energy and foreign policy. She is the former deputy national security advisor for Donald Trump. And I see I got to work on my timing, but I think there's something there. Well, it was recorded in Philadelphia. Remember, that's right. Well, now we have your weekly walk up music. I'm very happy about this. All right. Me too. Okay. Well, that was good. I heard you came into town last night at 30th Street Station. So you endured what we all endured trying to get out of here last night, which is these these protesters by 30th Street Station streets shut off. I knew as I was pulling out and I could hear them screaming and yelling. I said, oh, man, this commute's going to stink. We all got impacted by it. What, what was going on last night? That was absolutely insane. So, you know, I'm getting off the train from from D.C. coming up the escalator and half of the station was packed with uh, somewhere between 350 and 500 people all chanting free Palestine. And it, 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 there was a huge police presence. Uh, and, you know, it was really a, a very sobering moment because you know, they, they were, as you say, you know, completely disrupting. You know, normal Americans were just trying to get home from work like you and me. Uh, but but also there was there was a real menace to it. And I think you know, that that kind of of you know, sort of threatened violence uh, that are, that it's surrounding a lot of these so-called peaceful protests is what have people's nerves really on edge. Yeah, and I, I agree with you. I mean, I, I think people's nerves are on edge. And the fact of the matter is, is that this is going on in such frequency, and they're very brazen about what they say, and they're also rude. Because if you want to try to win hearts and minds, don't disrupt people's commutes. I, I whether it's their whether they're in, in protesting the environment or racial injustice or whatever other cause du jour they have, you're not going to win anybody over to your side if you disrupt their commute. People just want to get home. What's why can't these people figure that out? No, it's 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 really a way to to alienate large swaths of the population. And and you know, one thing we have to take into consideration with these particular protests is what is mixed in with the protesters. I'd like to know who's funding these protests, mm-hmm. but then also is this attracting the folks that are coming you know across our our wide open southern border? Uh, Bill Mnuchin from uh, Fox reported overnight about a Somali known terrorist who was identified at the border, but, but his terrorism past didn't trigger. And he was, he was wandering around the United States for 19 days till they picked him up in New York City. So, so who's, who's at these protests? Uh, right. you know, are, are they folks that we would consider reasonable or that, that could be controlled by police, or is, is there something more dangerous there? All right, let's talk about the bigger picture right now of what's going on in 
um, in Israel and the Middle East and Hamas and Hezbollah and Iran and this two front war. I, I, I was happy to see the Republicans yesterday carve funding for Israel separate from Ukraine. I was also happy to see them that they also uh, found cuts, found a way to pay for it. Now, I understand, you know, there's always going to be a philosophical debate about whether or not we should be spending money overseas in, in these matters, like you know, like something Tom Massey believes, for example. But if you're going to do it, you do it that way. And I think that it was a great Machiavellian move because it forced the Democrats' hand and they wound up standing with the IRS and not with Israel. No, and that, that's a great a great phrase that you've got there. Uh, and you. I will be pir- pirating that for the Heritage Foundation, uh, I think, in pretty short order. But, <laughs> no, you're 100% correct. So, And there's a piece of this that's not being widely discussed. So the president had the $105 billion emergency international supplemental, which is what the Israel aid was carved out of. They also requested at the same time, I believe, another $56 billion in emergency domestic spending above and beyond the massive budget they already passed. And so when you label something emergency, uh, you, you just print that money. There's, there's not supposed to be any need to actually pay for it. And so all of the stuff in both of these bills, and, and bear in mind, you know, this is what was agreed to at the end of, of the uh, debt ceiling fight, was that, that that was the budget number for this fiscal year. There would not be additional emergency supplementals. Uh, and instead, here we all suddenly have $160 additional billion dollars that they want to put saddle onto the national debt. So, you know, the approach that is favored by Heritage, which is what the House did, is to carve out the one piece of this that I think we have broad bipartisan support for, which is we should really expeditiously pass something for Israel. And bear in mind, in this massive bloated emergency supplemental, the Israel aid was about one-tenth of what was uh, proposed for uh, Ukraine. And there was also money in there that some some number of billions of dollars that would have been available to the administration to send to Gaza uh, as, quote unquote, humanitarian aid. So we, in essence, had we passed the original piece, as so many mainstream Republicans were recommending, uh, if we had done that, we would have literally been funding both sides of, of this war. And so I think the speaker was 100 percent correct. Carve out the 14 billion, point out why it's all a good idea. And pay for it. And he, he wasn't wedded to the IRS offset. I heart, heard a number of conservatives in the House say, you know, we'll take any offset. You know, you, you don't like this one, propose another one. Uh, and nobody proposed anything. And all of the mainstream Senate uh, Republicans cried bloody murder, said, why didn't you just pass pass it clean, by which they mean pass it and not pay for it. And the answer to that was because if Schumer agrees to bring this up in the Senate, which is what they claimed that would would be, it's only because he knows or has some deal with the devil to get the rest of it through in pretty short order. That's the only reason he would agree. So, you know, I think they absolutely did the right thing. I think everybody should call their senators and urge them to, you know, try to force Schumer to bring this up for a vote. And if the president vetoes it, then it's on him. Yeah, good. I mean, the other thing, too, about Ukraine, which is really that Time magazine piece yesterday that came out and basically said uh, his people around him think that Zelensky has lost it and that they're not winning this thing. 
That needs to be discussed. I mean, Time Magazine is not exactly a far right wing publication here. And I think last year they named a man of the year. So they've been a fan of the guy in the past. And for them to come out and write, I think, such a scathing piece about him and what people around him are saying about this effort, that should be factored into any future funding here that goes to Ukraine. Oh, 100 percent. And, you know, so many people on both the left and and center right have lost their minds collectively over this issue and can't see it dispassionately anymore. You know, any suggestion that there might be uh, corruption in Ukraine is met with hysterical outrage. The National Review published what I think was their 15th hit piece on heritage, naming me and President Kevin Roberts. Uh, as the particular culprits of this this fact that apparently sometimes our stuff is cherry-picked and is featured in Russian propaganda. That's somehow our fault uh, because we are willing to speak out occasionally and question what's going on in Ukraine and question the amounts of money that we're spending on it. So this collective hysteria over, over Ukraine, I don't get. And I think we have to, given the commitments of, of the U.S. taxpayers, we have to question these things. We have to look into these reports. We have to be interested in potential corruption. And, you know, to call us all pro-Russian, you know, Putin sympathizers is, is not really an effective response. No, it's belittling. It's it's childish. And, and honestly, it's so frustrating because you and I both know damn well that it's not about rooting for Putin here. And to, to turn around and to say that to people, uh, esteemed people such as yourself, for example, really is just a way to, to, to create this straw man argument to get away from what is really at heart here, which is that this operation, this this problem, this ongoing issue with ukraine is not going to end anytime soon and to call that out and to say that and to acknowledge that reality yeah you know it's not easy for people who have spent time putting ukraine flags on their homes to acknowledge that but at the same time i've noticed a lot of those are starting to go away now as people kind of think to themselves this could lead to more and i don't want my sons and daughters getting involved here what did you make of ron DeSantis's comment when he came out and said he supports more funding for ukraine because we have to end this thing what did you make of that well i don't necessarily disagree with governor DeSantis if, if he were president DeSantis. uh you know that that i would see you know if, if he were commander-in-chief and he was listening to some responsible people and decided that there was a targeted strategic investment that could be made in U.S. military support for Ukraine that would bring the war to a favorable close in in pretty short order and do that on terms so that Putin doesn't do this again. I would certainly listen to that argument uh, because I don't want to be having the same conversation in five years, which I'm worried that there's a danger that we would, but not under this president, uh, not under the current president. And you know, one of the things that has been striking to me in my engagements with European allies, I'm sure everyone will be shocked to learn I actually do talk to our European allies. Uh, and, you know, it's not just a stream of expletives, but in my conversations <laughs> with them, they can, it could be, it could be, but I, I, sure. you know, I have diplomatic protocols. Uh, but I think, you know, the problem is the promises the president has made both to European allies and to the Ukrainians themselves have created an expectation of support from the United States that the president is not in the position 
to guarantee. He can't, I mean, he can't do as much as it takes as long as it takes. He can do as much as the Congress will appropriate for him as long as Congress will appropriate it for him. And he has never taken that into consideration. It's the same thing with NATO membership. He can't say it's if, it's when, not if, because NATO membership is not in his, his authorized powers to offer. You have to get unanimous consent from all the other NATO members, and you've got to get it through the Congress. So he's been running around creating expectations on the part of the Ukrainians, and they would, would I think, be very disappointed if if you know, the funding were, were cut or abolished. But that's on Joe Biden. That's not mm-hmm. on the Congress. That's not their fault. No, it's not their fault. And I, I think for, for a lot of people who, who think about the situation all the time, they, they really feel Congress has not done enough here in this entire Ukraine involvement. Let's switch gears to another issue, if we could, in the, in the midst of all this, of course, is this now escalation in the Middle East. I'm not saying escalation by Israel. I think Israel has a right to fight the war however they want to fight the war. I think it's interesting how the United States is calling for a ceasefire in Israel, but we're not calling for one in Ukraine. And, I, and you know, my opinion on that, and you don't have to agree with it, on it's okay, but I think it's because we will be in Ukraine as long as possible because they got the goods on Joe Biden. And that's just the fact. The fact that the United States of America is now telling Israel what to do and how to fight this war and trying to tie their arms behind their back, I think is completely inappropriate. Israel needs to do what Israel needs to do. The United States of America should not be telling Israel what to do. But do you think that there is concern here more broadly about the region and where this all goes beyond just obviously Israel and and Palestine? Oh, there have to be really strong concerns. And I, I might even take it a step further than you did. I mean, I don't I don't know that it's impossible that both Ukraine and Russia have the goods on the Bidens. And apparently what the Israelis did wrong is they didn't make a massive contribution to the Biden Center at Penn or employ Hunter Biden as a as a, as a paid lobbyist, because uh, then they might be having a different result at this point. But what's happening now is you had the original, you know, the the president's uh, trip to Israel, where he said a lot of the right things that were very well received, sounded good, sounded a little different than what we had heard out of him before. But if you think back to that first night a month ago, when when the attacks were actually ongoing, and you had a, a tweet from the Office of Palestinian Affairs at the State Department, calling for calm, calling for respecting civilians, calling for restraint on both sides, I believe the phrase was, That came out of the State Department deep state. Uh, That is what they think. And then we had the weird uh, Blinken mistweet along those same lines, praising the Turks for for looking at a ceasefire. I'm sure Tony Blinken didn't approve that tweet. That was the, you know, the, the deep state putting out what they believe to be true. And now we have reports that they're having therapy sessions in the West Wing of the White House because all the staff are so distraught about what's happening to the Palestinians, you know, they are held captive by these people. And so that's what's now coming home to roost. That's what's writing, you know, Secretary Blinken's really, I thought, quite shameful remarks in Israel today, drawing a very clear equivalence between the Palestinians and, and Israel, uh, talking about looking into Palestinians' children's eyes and seeing his own children I mean, my goodness. Uh, so I think I think we're in for a bumpy road here. It's, the, the remarks have been uh, just absolutely amazing. So I'm glad you mentioned Russian corruption, too. But why do we always forget Romania? Poor little Romania also is involved here in the Biden family corruption. And they get no credit for it. I mean, I just feel so bad for them. 
Well, they're not. They're not apparently actively trying to coerce the president uh, into into doing their will. So, so yeah, maybe we might not want to bring that up uh, too often. They might they might start getting ideas as well. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, you got to be careful. You got to just you know, uh, well said. Well, as always, a pleasure, my friend. We've got your walk up music for next week. We're ready for it. We're excited, uh, Doctor Victoria Coates. Before I let you go, though, since energy is also mm-hmm. your big thing, and you worked for Secretary Perry, um, how happy were you when Orsted said they were they were not going to go forward with the wind project off the Jersey Shore? No, this is only sensible, and I am done playing, paying lip service to wind and solar. That is a 100-year-old technology that produces a very unreliable, uh, thin, not dense energy source, and the American people don't deserve to be subjected to this, either to have our beautiful shorelines destroyed by these things or to be forced to rely on this power. So good for them. They should shut down the rest of it. They should shut down vineyard uh, wind as much as I'd like to put turbines in front of the Obama's house uh, (laughs) for the sake of the greater good, we should shut that down and stop this nonsense that somehow our grid can be powered by this stuff. We got to get natural gas, coal and oil, civil nuclear, we'll all be just fine and we will bring down emissions as we do it. Oh, and, you know, by the way, speaking since we're on the issue of oil, do you notice how Venezuela uh, already backtracked on their pledge to uh, allow more democracy if we give them the ability to ease sanctions and let them have more oil? You notice how shocking, I know we're all shocked that Venezuela already lied to us and, and backtracked. Oh, yeah, and you notice they're not putting the sanctions back on. What happened there is is Maduro pinky promised Biden he would allow the opposition uh, free and open uh, primary that primary occurred earlier on this month. Maria Karina Machado, who's a hero, had, had a, they brought together all the other disparate uh, opposition groups, won in a landslide victory. And so last week, the Maduro people overturned that and said, "Invalid. There's no candidate." And nothing, not a peep out of the Biden vote. I mean, it's just it's pathetic. They want that oil on the market, and they don't care uh, what they have to to give away to get it. It's amazing. It really is. Dr. Victoria Coates, always a pleasure, my friend. Have a great weekend and uh, go birds. Go birds. Thanks for listening to the Seoli Show podcast from Talk Radio 1210 WPHT and the Odyssey app. All right, Friday afternoon. So big game on Sunday. The Eagles take on, as Don Stenson always says, the Cowgirls. Uh, how are we looking for this game? Henry, will, as our official Zioli Show sports aficionado, how are we looking for Sunday's game, which is, at, I believe, at 4 o'clock? Yeah, it'll be uh, the primetime game of the week. It'll be on Fox. Uh, it's going to be a coin toss. It's going to be a rock fight all the way through. I mean, I, I just hope Nick Sirianni gets the boys up and at them early, and really gets that that hate, that hatred of the Cowboys into that locker room. So we go out there and spank them. But you really want to see some hatred of the cow of the Cowboys. Yes. Yeah, I feel like it. You know that same hatred. It hasn't been there in the past couple of years or so. And I, I feel like we really do need to have an edge in this game because, well, we need to stomp them out. We need to take them out to win the division. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, we we do. You're right about that. We this this is a this is a crucial game. And then whatever happens it, it, tomorrow in Dallas on Sunday, we're facing them on Christmas Day here in Philly. Yeah, yeah. So, no, it's, it's huge. It's huge. I mean, I imagine that Christmas. I know that Christmas Day game is going to be rocking. But yeah, getting going on the road here, uh, trying to get a big win in Jerry World in Dallas. At four o'clock too, when the sun's creeping in. I think they're home. Are they home? Yeah. When do we play Christmas then? 
I don't no, know. we're home for Christmas. I don't. Right. They're home this week, I think. Oh, they're I mean, home this week too. I'm pretty sure. Let me check. Oh yeah, they are. Well, they are. So we're, no. we're playing Dallas at home twice. So yeah. No. No. No, we wouldn't. No, playing? because my friends are going to the game on Christmas Day, and my buddy's talking about what he has to get his wife to be able to to, to go to the game. Uh, they play the Giants on Christmas. Uh, oh, the Giants! The other, on the other blue team in the division. The other, the that's other a brain fart awful, her- terrible team. That. God, yeah. that's right. Okay, all right. This is why I don't do sports radio. <laughs> <laughs> There's a reason why in my contract I'm limited to talking sports for five minutes a week. And this is that five minutes. And this is that five minutes right here. No, but, but uh, all right, so it's going to be a home game. Well, that's good. That, I mean, I wish I was going. Oh, why are we not going to this? Can uh, Odyssey yeah. get us tickets? Yeah. We, well, I they're think probably already spoken for. Yeah, I'm certain. Yeah, this is this is the one. This is the one you want to be at. So, what do you what do you think? I mean, this we win this game on Sunday. We beat we beat Dallas, and and then at that point now we'll be what eight and zero, oh, and uh, eight and one, eight and one. Oh, oh it's, we we lost to the Jets. I keep forgetting that. I think it's yeah. in, I'm in denial over the fact that we lost to the Jets. Yeah. I think I think everybody's in denial of the fact that we yeah. lost to the Jets. I think that and it was an especially tough loss because Eagles fans know this this part of their schedule coming up here is it's a it's a gauntlet. Yeah. Uh, you know, it started. It started kind of with the Jets because you expected Aaron Rodgers to be there, but he wasn't, and they still lost. But no, in the coming weeks after this, after this game, you got the Chiefs in Kansas City, you got the Bills at home, uh, you got the Forty ers to kick off December here, and then you have the Cowboys again in in Dallas, and then Seattle, and then Seattle, who's leading their division right now. So it it's a t- it's tough sledding from here. You, I think you really need this game. And set the, set the tone for this uh, stretch of games you got coming up here. You got to set the tone. All right, I like it. I like your thinking on this. We got to yeah. set the tone. Yeah, because I, I know the Cowboys are going to bring it. They they the way they've spoken to the media uh, this past week leads me to believe that they're they're going to be ready for this game. They're going to come out firing, you know, first snap. Even though I think their coach is a bungling moron, uh, I think he does get them ready to play. All right. Okay. Uh, I agree. I agree. Matt DeSantis, your assessment for the game on, on uh, Sunday? I'm a little nervous because the Eagles' secondary is terrible, and C.D. Lamb had a, uh, a pretty good game last week. I can't imagine he, uh, he doesn't do well this week. Um, but the last time the Cowboys stepped up in competition was against the Niners, and they got absolutely annihilated. Yeah. So I think the Eagles are better than the Niners, so I, I, the Eagles should win this game. Well that, All right. well, that doesn't scare you a little bit? What? That, I don't know. They got up to face the 49ers, got stomped, and they're like, all right, we didn't get up enough. Now, you know, it's an interdivisional it game. In, There's a little more on the line If here. it was in Dallas, I'd be more nervous, but I think the Eagles win. I, I think it's like a 10-point I, I think like 28, give me like a 28-20, something like that. I think it'll be closer than that. I mean, it's a three-point spread, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that the Cowboys will cover that three points. Also interesting, if you're a gambler... I kind of like uh, Jalen Hurts for MVP. If you think the Eagles win a lot of these games during this tough stretch, I would imagine he's probably going to come out as the new favorite to win the award. Yeah, I don't see why not. The uh, award? For MVP. Oh, yeah. I think like the like a different award. I, I didn't even know if you knew what, what award you were talking about. Because don't act like you know a thing about sports. I only know football because I play fantasy football. Any other sport, <laughs> I'm I'm worthless. You should never turn to me for anything. <laughs> All right, fine, fair enough. How's your fantasy football team going? Uh, seven and one, doing pretty good. Look at you. We're projected to lose this week, though, but 
Well, that's all right. I mean, I don't know. I, in my opinion, people that, that spend a lot of time doing fantasy football uh, or people that spend a lot of time doing doing golf, they're brilliant because they have an excuse to get out of the house, away from the kids, on which I don't have. You know what I mean? I don't golf and I don't do fantasy football, so my options are very limited in terms of, of a, a, an escape plan. Because let's face it, that's why God invented golf. <laughs> Join my fantasy football league next no. year, Rich. I'll no. boot somebody I, out. It's not the same. It's harder to say to your wife, look, you, you deal with the kids i'm gonna go play fantasy football <laughs> but for some reason golf gets this excuse although i think pickleball is coming into into that same way but the problem is pickleball is more and more co-ed golf still i think is the one thing left where you can turn around and say i'm gonna be gone from seven i got a 7 a.m tea time then lunch then drinks then cigars i'll be home at about 8 30 at night it's brilliant i don't know why i don't golf yeah you should take it up. i mean I'm i don't golf tomorrow either, i'm golfing tomorrow Good. Good yeah. luck. Are you Thanks. good at golf? No, I'm terrible. Oh, okay. Ah, nobody's good at golf. Remember that, Henry. Nobody's yeah. good at golf. No, I'm not worried. I'm not worried. <laughs> As John F. Kennedy said, if you're good at golf, you're bad at something else. <laughs> so just remember that. Wise words from the former president. Uh, 855-839-1210 on Twitter, at Rich Zioli. The latest in woke. We'll talk to our buddy, Dr. Wilfred Riley, about this. And also about the shenanigans going on in college campuses where you've got college students out there openly hating on Israel and spewing out absolute vicious anti-semitic hate is it free speech is this what colleges had it coming and uh so much more to come in our big five o'clock hour we're also going to talk to you a little bit later in the show chris del borello he is running for the state senate in new jersey where a phantom candidate is running against him sleazy dirty tricks by the democrats 30 minutes of non-stop talk coming up straight ahead for you don't go away Rich Zioli, weekday afternoons, 3 to 7, Talk Radio 1210, WPHT, and on the free Odyssey app. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.